Hello and welcome to Nomads You and I. Today's topic is endurance and patience. And I know recently I posted a podcast about courage and I just think they all tie in so well together because endurance and courage relate to one another in that we must have the courage to leap fearlessly toward a desired outcome, right? But patience and endurance, however... Patience and endurance is the ability to exert oneself for a long period of time in the face of resistance and fatigue. So, of course, it's associated with the acceptance of a given challenge, whether that's something we opted for or something that was dealt to us, like a hand of cards that we've got to play. So, Endurance is associated, of course, with a sort of surrender to the reality of climbing that mountain. And then the resolution, the determination, the fortitude, the persistence, the forbearance, the perseverance, and the stamina to make it to the top. So in today's podcast, we will explore this question and several other very practical concepts. We will uncover where God says endurance comes from. Next, we will look into where endurance plays into God's divine plan for our lives. And we will close with how God says that he plans to bless those who choose to endure. And on the way, we will learn what role endurance plays in our relationship with God and one another. So, have you ever thought about, are there certain people that are born with endurance while others are not? Some of us have birthed or adopted children who seem to have been born with a stronger will than others. That stubbornness, that is the very thing that parents knock themselves out trying to channel in a direction that will both serve the strong-willed child and the world at large. I mean, when and if the strong-willed child chooses to take to heart God's wisdom as to how to use their tenacity to fight the evil in the world, they will be a force to be reckoned with. You may or may not have been lucky enough to be born with an extra measure of grit, but what I'll be talking about today is a source of endurance that is more kind of equal opportunity, I'd say, and it's offered to anyone and everyone willing to tap into it. James, the Lord's brother, encourages us in chapter 5, verses 7 through 11 to be patient, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too, be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, he says, brothers and sisters, against one another, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brothers and sisters, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings. That, now get this, the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful, unquote. When we are enduring much longer than we thought we'd need to, in circumstances we did not see coming, 
God promises here to bless us with mercy and compassion as he did Job. Take that to heart. One author addresses the secret of endurance when he says, quote, life is a series of problems. Every time you solve one, another is waiting to take its place. Not all of them are big, but all are significant in God's growth process for you. We learn things about God and suffering that we can't learn any other way. You'll never know that God is all you need until God is all you've got. It is during suffering that we learn to pray our most authentic, heartfelt, honest-to-God prayers. When we're in pain, we don't have the energy for superficial prayers. God doesn't expect you to be thankful for evil, for sin, for suffering, or for their painful consequences in the world. Instead, God wants you to thank him that he will use your problems to fulfill his purposes. It is vital that you stay focused on God's plan, not your pain or your problem. Your focus will determine your future. The secret of endurance is to remember that your pain is temporary, but your reward will be eternal. Don't give in to short-term thinking. Stay focused on the result. Servants finish their tasks, fulfill their responsibilities, keep their promises, and complete their commitments. They don't leave a job half done, and they don't quit when they get discouraged. They are trustworthy and dependable. And that's from Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. So in Isaiah 40, verse 31, we are introduced to that source of endurance when God promises renewed strength to those who wait on him to provide it. Yet those who wait on the Lord will regain strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Colossians 1.11 restates the reality that endurance and patience come by God's glorious might and adds that endurance is to be accompanied by joy. We see what this looks like in the true story of Paul and Silas's singing while enduring an unjust imprisonment in Acts 16. Or the apostles, after they were flogged and ordered not to speak in the name of Jesus, but then they go on their way in the presence from the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day they just kept going and doing the very thing for which they had been beaten. In the temple and from house to house, it says, they did not stop teaching and preaching the good news of Jesus as the Christ, unquote. So I guess because they cared more about how their listeners would spend the first 12 billion years of their existence beyond this life than the last few decades of their own lives. That unjust imprisonment that Paul endured was one of many circumstances that he mentions in Philippians 4.13 that he had learned, he said, how to get along with little. And I also know he said how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret to being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It is encouraging to know that you and I can do all difficult things through Christ who strengthens us. That's just so empowering because you know what? All things are all things, including whatever the thing is that you are enduring right now. 
God will be your strength to overcome each and every obstacle you will ever face. So how does that work? How does he give us the strength to endure? What works to keep us going when we feel utterly exhausted, like emotionally, spiritually, physically? Our Heavenly Father gives us strength to endure the same way that Jesus was strengthened to resist temptation in the desert in Matthew 4.4. The key to surviving a trial is to daily feed on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God for our spiritual sustenance. How else does God say we acquire the endurance he offers? Hebrews 12, 2 said, Jesus got through the crucifixion by focusing on the joy that was set before him in heaven when he would be reunited with his heavenly father. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 gives us another tool for making it to the finish line and finishing strong when it says, quote, Let's rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let's run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking only at Jesus, the originator and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart, unquote. To plant this concept into the hearts of impressionable children in my Bible classes, I would strap to their backs a backpack filled with tire chains and have them run laps around the church parking lot. Then while they caught their breath, we'd review how running life's long race with endurance is made possible only by laying aside the weight of sin and looking to Jesus as an example of enduring hostility without becoming weary or faint-hearted. By the way, here's a little commercial break. If you are a Bible class teacher, look online for books on object lessons. That is using physical things around you as like hands-on visual aids for your students. Often when they see those physical objects again, they recall that spiritual lesson that you taught using that physical object. So back to our lesson. The scripture we referenced earlier in James 5, 7 through 8 used a physical object to teach us something about patience when it said, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord like a farmer waiting for fruit. Another application that I'd like to add to this. Have you ever noticed that after the farmer does his planting, he doesn't pull up a chair for several weeks and wring his hands about crop failure. He just keeps on planting. Maybe he trims some trees over in the orchard while he's waiting. Maybe he's oiling his machinery or goes and weeds another garden or does some research and so on. We would do well to do the same. Keep moving in that same direction because our job is to plant. It is God who causes the increase, if there is to be an increase, 1 Corinthians 3, 7. So let's pray for a bountiful harvest in the seeds of truth that we are planting and not let crop failure cause us to be discouraged so that we do not endure. In Galatians 6, 9, God promises that if we do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season, we will reap 
if we do not give up. Later in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 9 verses 24 through 27, there is another great visual aid when Paul says, quote, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Do you not know that those who run a race all run, but only one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. So they do it to obtain a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not to run aimlessly, but I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified, unquote. I'd like to offer you some encouragement here that if you're feeling like your life is a spiritual marathon, the thing is that feeling may indicate that you might be on the right track. In some ways, you should be feeling a resistance in life. Have marathoner focus, marathoner consistency, marathoner discipline, and ceaseless concentration, and you will win. Someone has said, pass clear before those who know where they're going and are determined to get there, unquote. So running this spiritual marathon takes a lot of exertion, even when God is sustaining you. But everything of value in life does, right? That's the way it's supposed to be. The other thing is marathoners build muscle. The more they train, the more their hearts and lungs increasingly gain strength to go farther and farther with less and less perceived exertion over time as they get more and more fit. That is the very thing God has in mind for our spiritual training. We must finish strong and not wipe out right before we reach the finish line. Polybius has noted, Some men give up their designs when they have almost reached the goal, while others, on the contrary, obtain a victory by exerting at that last moment more vigorous efforts than before. End quote. I like that. There's a spiritual application. So Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, we also celebrate in our tribulations. I mean, that's an interesting translation of that. Like how on earth can you celebrate? Why? What? Let's keep on going to find out. Romans 5, 3 through 5 goes on to say, knowing that our tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us, unquote. Suffering, it turns out, is actually useful for the Christian because it produces endurance. And endurance produces character and character produces hope of an eternity basking in the glory of God face to face. I mean, that's everything we have ever wanted deep down, whether we realize it or not. Now it makes sense. It's no wonder that we are to quote, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect. You guys, here comes the goal that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James 1, 2 through 4. The word perfect here is about maturity, like a fresh peach that has been ripened to complete perfection. 
Sometimes the thing that we're enduring can be physical in nature, like a disease or an injury that is painful or life-threatening. Sometimes it can be the loss of a loved one or a financial setback or worse, a child or someone else that we love who is rejecting God's wisdom for their lives to their own hurt. 1 Peter 2.20 mentions another situation that demands our endurance when it says, quote, If when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it. This finds favor with God, unquote. We will have more endurance if we look at every injustice as an opportunity to find God's favor. Let's keep reading. Verse 21 says, for you have been called for this purpose. I mean, that's kind of a shock. The suffering we endure is not a fluke. It's actually part of our purpose that we choose when we choose to follow Christ. He goes on to say, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you would follow in his steps. He who committed no sin, nor was any defeat found in his mouth. And luckily, get this part, because this part teaches us what endurance looks like and sounds like. Goes on to say, while being abusively insulted, he did not insult in return. While suffering, he did not threaten. But, like, what did he do instead? He kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously, unquote. Wow, take that to heart. Plant it deep in your spirit. When you do good and you suffer for it, such is nothing less than an opportunity to obtain grace in the sight of God and ultimately leads to an eternity of inexpressible joy far beyond comparison, 2 Corinthians 4.17, where sin does not exist and peace and joy are constant. And the glory of God illumines it, Revelation 21. So after the last election, a lot of students of history experienced a heightened sense of what may lie in the not too distant future for Christians. I mean, yes, anything can happen. And since it is God who makes nations rise and fall, it really is none of our business to try to predict the future or to wring our hands over what his perfect plan might be. If he judges this nation for the iniquity so prevalent that we export out now to the whole world, praise him for the judgments of the Lord are pure and righteous altogether. Psalms 19.9 All that we know for certain is that we are told to, quote, be anxious for nothing, unquote, in Philippians 4, 6. And Jesus tells his followers in Matthew 5, 10, that if the trial we need to endure is a result of our Christianity, we are promised the kingdom of heaven. And just like during the fall of Jerusalem, described in Matthew 24, 13, Jesus said, it is the one who endures to the end that God promises to save. So let's knit together in our hearts the connection of enduring suffering with hope. Because in Romans 12, 12 and 15, 4, we learn God wants us to be patient in tribulation because it is through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures that we have hope. James 1.12 describes one beautiful aspect of that hope when he adds, 
Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. The crown of life. I'm in eager anticipation of that crown of life. Not so much for the crown itself, but for the favor of God that it represents. Maybe we will all cast our crowns before his throne like the elders do in Revelation 4.10. I don't know, but let's find out together. So the last scripture I'd like to close with on this podcast is 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, where God says through Paul, quote, We also believe, therefore we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes. I mean, what a lesson that for the Christian, nothing happens to us. Rather, everything happens for us. As in all things work together for our good, right? It goes on to say, so that grace, having spread to more and more people, will cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. And let me just stop right there just to add, I mean, that's what life's about, right? The glory of God. So listen now how this verse ends. Therefore, do not lose heart. But though our outer person is decaying, yet our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond comparison. While we look not at the things that are seen, but to the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's why the faithful will never lose heart. Why? Because no matter what's going on around us, our inner self, that part that will exist eternally, is being renewed day by day. If we view our trials as light momentary affliction that is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, endurance all of a sudden becomes more doable. I'll close again with this beautiful quote from C.S. Lewis. No amount of falls will really undo us if we keep on picking ourselves up each time. We shall, of course, be very muddy and tattered children by the time we reach home. But the bathrooms are all ready, the towels put out, and the clean clothes in the airing cupboard. The only fatal thing is to lose one's temper and give it up. Unquote. C.S. Lewis. You have got at your fingertips everything that you need for life and godliness to conquer everything that's put before you. So I am rooting for you. The angels in heaven are rooting for you. God himself is ready to empower you. May you begin to taste that victory that overcomes the world. God bless.